Welcome to FinTech's DEI Discussions podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. This special episode is live in the London Excel Center at FinTech Next 2023. And I'm super excited to say that we are joined by Yaisa Nuingo, global COO and financial services expert. She is here today to share how she walks the talk for inclusion in our sector and what more she wants done. Welcome, it is great to see you today. Thank you for having me, Nadia, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited. So just to kick things off, tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I'm originally from Spain, but I've lived here for 25, 20, 30 odd years. I won't give away my age too much. (laughs) And I've always worked in financial services. I started off as a scientist, then in investment, and then I've worked across various parts of the industry. I split my time now between London and Lisbon, where I have a flat and, and yeah happy to be in the fintech industry these yeah, days yeah and I love I love your story and your your career progression and plethora of experiences you've had I'd love for you just to share a couple of them with us as I said, I started off as a scientist. I realised I wanted to go into a numerate discipline in the world of work. There weren't many avenues in research at the time. Initially went into investment, into fund management, and realised that I had a passion for helping organisations perform. Spent a lot of time in organisations at the early stage of my career that were very acquisitive or integration orientated, places like Thomson Reuters, Aviva, and then went more into core banking, but always with a strong of data, technology, operations, making things work, making things integrate and innovating and driving change. And talking about that innovation and driving change, there's a particular focus that I would I'd love to have today. And that is, I know across your career, you've done so much for gender pay parity. And I wanted for you to share some of the experiences that you've had, what you've done, because I would love for this pod to be something that other businesses can listen to and say, okay, we can now implement what Yaisa has. So being entrusted with the transformation of organizations is, is quite a not on a privilege. You you have to take on the, the position of being a beacon for change, for the better, for making things work and, and making the organization, helping the organization to evolve. A big part of that is culture. And often when you're integrating different businesses or changing, you are changing culture or bringing two different cultures together. So when it comes to diversity, inclusion, what we find is that we, we need to make sure the system works well for everyone. That's a big part of transformation. You can't pour into a leaky bucket and you can't make, you can't build on, on a weak foundation. So you have to set really good procedural foundations for things to get better, for things to be transparent, for things to be systematic and change for the better rather than, as often is the case, uh, rather than backwards. So um, in terms of my experiences, driving programs is it's the way that we take large, big, ambitious goals and chunk them into actionable terms. And in every transformation program, you should have a culture stream. And in every culture stream, you should have a look at your core processes to say, people are at the heart of every business. Am I retaining my best talent? If your DNI policies are not good, you're unlikely to be retaining your best talent. And then you're unlikely, the, the rest of your dominoes fall down. It's unlikely that your organization will perform to the best. And it's unlikely that you'll return, retain the right organizational knowledge that enables you to spring forward from where you are, take the best of what you are, and transform into somewhere better. So those types of initiatives are have some key pillars. People need to understand the why of the change. 
not of, that's often not really translated very well and and people need to feel included in the change otherwise you get a huge and significant amount of change resistance that stops you from achieving your goals all of that is just good business and it's just applied across diversity inclusion in the same way but I would be talking about that in the same way as when you're trying to implement a technology system or an operational procedure it's just good business to have everyone engaged and everyone understand the why so you can all drive in the same direction with diversity inclusion initiatives what I find is that most people will say they don't want to work all in a biased environment they don't want to work in an unfair environment they want fairness for themselves and for their colleagues and using that pillar I think that's what works in every initiative that you run whether it's around pay parity or representation or removing bias if you ask people do you want to work in a fair system they undoubtedly say yes and that's I think the key it really is isn't it because you know by and large everybody wants to work in a fair and and equal organization often whenever any pay parity conversation comes into play there's a number of challenges that people seem to get blocked by and then don't move forward. What challenges can you imagine that they're going to face? At the core of a fair system is ensuring that everyone's paid fairly for the role and their contribution to the firm. But having said that, you're dealing with the past, the present and the future because if you're sitting there as a leader and a leader is in large organisations, I have leaders who have then their own leaders and several layers of management and you find that there is often a finite compensation pool. How do you correct the mistakes of the past, right size, create equilibrium as much as you can and reward performance? It's a tricky, tricky situation because that part, again, is finite. So what I would advise is, one, look at it as a multi-year journey. You're not going to be able to help everyone every year. Have a very honest and transparent conversation about where the pot has gone and why with your staff. That is actually easier than people make it out to be because most of the time, whenever I've had, for example, a team where some people were beyond benchmarks, they've understood that it maybe wasn't their turn this year to be remunerated additionally, but those that were below were, and it's around playing as a team rather than as individuals. Leaders understand that. And more importantly, take your, your edge cases out of your regular compensation discussions. Treat them as what they are, mistakes the organisation has made that needs to be corrected. And don't try and almost stretch your compensation pot too far. Go back and re-benchmark people and make sure that they get the fair deal on their own. Because sometimes I've inherited organisations where there's been significant pay parity and there was just no way to square the circle fairly. And the best way was for me as a leader to take those cases out and raise them in, an, in, an, in a side process and say, look, these individuals fall so far out. This is clearly a situation that we don't have to maintain that we don't want to maintain. If you see Scandinavian countries, for example, they've made it illegal and they have huge transparency in terms of different pay structures. In Sweden, I think you can go into the, their tax system and know the pay of everybody, including your neighbours. That level of transparency in terms of pay comp ratios helps us translate this message to our staff and translate this message to our leaders and defend the decisions that we make as fair because we we want people to be in the right brackets if someone's very much out of a bracket let's call that out but on a side process 
and then look at it as a multi-year journey, those two key takeaways. Absolutely, and this is brilliant advice that you're sharing, because I think a lot of people do try and put it in the main compensation review of the year, when you're absolutely right, and it's, it actually, when you say it, it sounds so basic, of course, why wouldn't you be taking this out as a separate case? Because it, it, it is a separate case. There's another challenge that we see quite a lot, and I, I want to ask how you've dealt with this. How do you deal with men who feel attacked by DEI, or those who feel that they've been victims discrimination. It's an interesting one. Going back to my point earlier about no one wants to work in a rigged system, no one wants to win in a rigged uh, contest. There's no honour in winning a rigged contest. And the majority of men that I talk to, and I talk to them a lot, if you think about my career, uh, my career has evolved during a time where there weren't that many female leaders. Female MDs were a rare breed. So clearly I have been working in a male-dominated industry and supported and aided by male allies throughout my career, whether that was managed, given opportunities, or mentored by men. And when I ask them, they say, no, it's the best person for the job. I don't want to win a rigged election. That's not really, there's no honour in that. So I think anyone that feels you know, hard done by, they really need to take accountability for why they didn't win a contest and whether they would really hand on half prefer to win a contest that's rigged. Uh, all we're looking to do with initiatives like appropriate representation in shortlists is make sure that there is no bias in the process. The benchmark didn't change. The benchmark of the competency to do the job hasn't changed. We just added more diversity to the mix. If that meant the competition increased, then you were winning an unfair race to begin with. And have a think about that. Take accountability up your game. And in the same way as others have faced barriers, that might just be one that comes up for you. The reality is most men are supportive, most men are allies. Very few, very few would take a negative view of diversity and inclusion initiatives, mostly because one, they believe in a fair system, two, they want the honour of winning the race fair and square. Yeah. And they don't want to to hold anyone else back who is uh, worthy. So that's mainly the, the sentiments I get back. There is a minority that doesn't take that accountability, but a sore loser will always be a sore loser. Mm, absolutely. Some great, great experience that you're sharing there. And, and just the way that you're explaining it, I, I feel really empowered by hearing what you're saying. And I want to make sure that so many people listen to this podcast as well. Look, this year it's been turbulent. How do businesses support their staff and their progression whilst thinking about all of this when, when it's been a challenging year for us all? It's been a really challenging year, and part of the reason we mentioned of all the different DNI initiatives we could mention, we mentioned pay parity, it's because with inflation and interest rates where they are, it is tougher out there for people in their household economy. It, it, it becomes more a competitive war on talent to attract and retain that talent that may want to stay with you, may want to stay with your company, but is finding it challenging in their pocket. Compensation it can take many forms. It's not only monetary. Development can take many forms. It's not only monetary. But these years, it is very, very much more in the spotlight, I would say, than other years. But how do we support staff through that? It is really tough, and every manager who's ever had to give a zero bonus conversation knows that it is tough. 
and we've had a few years of a few of those conversations. So what do you do when you haven't given someone any additional conversation for two to three, if not more years? Um, support them. Sometimes you can't, they can't stay with you and you should support them in that exit. You should support them in finding a role in another organization. You really have to consider that it's a small world. People will come back to you. People will appreciate that you didn't expect them to just take it and suck it up when it's not necessarily fair. There isn't enough to go around at the moment. That's a real brutal honest truth. Supporting them and being that honest and that transparent with them might actually win you their respect. Not every exit, departure, separation has to be a negative one. I often want to retain staff. I just can't afford them. They're and if I've done a good job of developing them, I shouldn't be able to afford them. We should be keeping people at market level. We saw the tech industry do this quite a lot. Their war on talent you know, in the last five or six years is definitely, they're having layoffs now, but for a previous five-year period, they were doing out-of-cycle increases because they were constantly benchmarking themselves to the market. Those are some lessons that the financial services industry hasn't learned. Our compensation cycles are yearly. They, you, it's easy to, over a couple of years, fall out of touch. So supporting staff is about having that transparent conversation with them, being honest about the limits of what you can and can't do. And I would say one absolute no-no is not having that discussion. And then once they have another role offer, then try and counter them. It's, it often is too little, too late. And at that point, they have mentally, emotionally, and you know, physically exited your building, so, or your figurative building. Yeah. It's important that you're having that supportive conversation throughout, and that you're honest about what you can and can't do. And then open up the conversation to other forms of development, new projects, additional responsibilities, exposures, mentoring etc cetera, etc cetera. there are many ways to support your staff outside of monitoring but let's be very upfront and transparent on that compensation conversation because what you'll find is that by the time you try and recapture it it's too little too late you've broken the trust and the trust is the most important part somebody gives you the honor of helping you of letting you help them and develop that's actually a privilege to coach and develop people and it relies on trust and if you're not that person anymore, I don't trust you anymore to do the best thing for me, then at that point you've already lost more than you think you have. Yeah, it's the end of the road already. It's the end of the road. Yeah. I love how, as you describe all of this, you're thinking so much, so much more holistically about the entire ecosystem of financial services. Um, it's not just where we are right now in this point. It's about, as you've said when talking about compensation, it's about the past, the present, and that future. And, you know, I think today uh, we're here at FinTech Connect. FinTech Connect always talk about the trends for next year, the future advice that we can give to people. What are you hoping to gain from the next couple of days here at FinTech Connect? And what have you gained so far? Um, seen some, some known faces. It's a small world, so definitely looking forward to that and catching up with some colleagues. I think the value of technology is in its application. So I'm looking to see what innovative solutions and applications people have thought of and defined for our industry, how they're looking to overcome some of the challenges with the pace at which we transform with technology. And, um, and I'm looking to see from a people perspective how 
technology and financial services have both been both very male-dominated industries for a while. How are we continuing to help female entrepreneurs? How are we continuing to help female-led businesses to grow and develop? Because that's, uh, I think that's important in not necessarily reliving the sense of the past. And seeing that come through, it would be great. Yes, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on FinTech DEI Discussions. It's been great learning about how you push forward gender pay parity within your businesses and hearing everything that you're looking forward to for next year. So thank you for joining us. Let's listen, let's learn, let's walk the talk. Let's walk the talk.